Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer femme people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp the founder of the Queer Femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Today, I am joined by friend of the show, Kenzie Davis. Kenzie is a publicist at Big Hassle Media, a company that boasts clients like Jack White, Ben Folds, Amanda Palmer, and more. Kenzie and I have a fun chat about breaking into the music industry as music-obsessive fans, a task that can seem like an impossible challenge at times. Most of our conversation consists of our evolving relationships with our favorite artists as music fans, and in between, we will get to hear Kenzie's story of how she stumbled into management and publicity when her two best friends decided to start a band and turned to her for help. We also obsess over Ethel Kane in this conversation. A lot. Love you, Ethel. Please come on the podcast. And I hope that all my listeners who dream of working in the music industry one day will be able to glean some positive inspiration from this conversation overall. As usual, I would like to remind listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket, So if you would like to help me continue to create more episodes and maybe buy me a coffee as well, please consider donating to or checking out my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Those who join my Patreon will get to unlock bonus content, including music-based film reviews with special guests unheard and unedited conversations in podcast episodes, playlists curated by yours truly, as well as early access to some of my YouTube content. However, I understand that finances are tight for many people, so if you are unable to join the Patreon, I fully understand. All I ask is that you give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts as that really helps me out in my effort to get the podcast in front of more people. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Well, I'm excited to have you on first because it's refreshing to have like a friend on for once and not someone um, who's output I've built up so much in my head where I'm just like dealing with nerves and trembling the entire conversation. So it's Mm -hmm. nice. It's nice to have someone on who I can um, just chill with. (laughs) Yes, for sure. No, I was looking forward to this because I was like, this is gonna be so chill. It's just gonna be like chatting with a friend, like hanging out, um, not high pressure or anything. So I'm excited to be here. Yay. I'm excited to have you. Um, what did you do this week? You you seem to be pretty yeah. busy with a lot of like events and stuff that are being put on. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my week has been like kind of crazy. Like I feel like when it comes to the fall, I'm just going to shows all the time and like just hanging out and stuff like that. Um, so like this past week, I think I went to, yeah, I went to Ethel Kane on Monday and she was amazing. It was like the third show of her run in New York. So that was awesome. Um, Tuesday, I went to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which was like, it like insane. Like I, I'm not like a huge fan, but it was like really just cool to see a legacy band like that, especially in a place like the Apollo. Um, so that was pretty special. And then Wednesday, my friends Panic Flower did their like single release show at Sultan Room, and that was a really fun night. They're really great. It was my first time seeing them, so it was like special. Um, and then Thursday, I went to Sultan Room again for the second night in a row, and I saw Moscow Dance Band, which is a band I started recently working with like professionally at my job. Um, so it was cool to see them for the first time and like really like understand like their live performance and like the types of people who go to their shows and like stuff like that. And I just also their killer live. So it was cool to see. And then um Friday, I went to Julia Jacqueline at Brooklyn Steel, and I'm like a huge Julia Jacqueline fan, like loved her second album crushing. And then like this next album, like pre-pleasure is so good. So I'm really like 
enjoying that. And that's just that conversation for me. So it was so cool to go see her. Um, and then after that, I went to TVI because I was doing a DJ set. It wasn't, it was like kind of insane music. I don't really know what kind of music I was expecting them to play, but it was like also just nice to like hang out with friends and stuff. Um, and then yesterday I was at Indie Plaza, which is like Rough Trades Festival that they do in Rockefeller Center. And it was like completely free. It was awesome. Um, I saw They Hate Change, who I love, and like our friends. And then I saw Forest Girl, who I feel like that's like the fourth time I've seen them in the past month because I just moved to New York. So like they're always playing. Um, so yeah, that's like what I've been up to. I've just been going to so many shows and stuff like that. And like, I feel like September and October are like really heavy times for shows. And like, you kind of have to take advantage because like when December hits, it's like almost nothing. So yeah, I've just been like trying to like soak in and like really um, like listen to what I'm watching and like really process it and like be in the moment when I'm there. Yeah. I was super disappointed that like the first night Ethel Kane performed, I was like, oh, shoot, dang it. I missed it. And then second night, like, fuck, I missed it. Now there's no chance she's going to perform again. Then third <laughs> night, music hall of, she takes a music hall of Williamsburg. And I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Yeah. So many shows, which I feel like no one does anymore. And then she did those three shows. And I was like, OK, she's gone. And then she did an NYU show on Thursday. Oh, my so God. She's like, still here. And I was like, okay, girl, you need to leave. Like, it's been, it's been too much. I love you, but like, I want you to come back soon. So you have to leave now. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's tough. And how was the Red Hot Chili Pepper? Because you, you know what I realized? Um, it's That's kind of hilarious. Is Anthony Kiedis basically, mm-hmm. in, basically invented TikTok dances. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That was like Just the like craziest vertical. thing to watch. Like just him dancing like the whole time and it was crazy to see like I knew that's how they were because I've like seen old videos and stuff and I'm like okay that's what they were doing like the 80s 90s but it's like 2022 they're still on stage like acting absolutely insane um Anthony and Flea and like it was John's I don't know how many years but it's the first time John has been in the band in like years and it's like the first albums he's worked on years and like he is just an amazing guitar player and it was so cool to see him live and like my, I went with my roommate, Brie, who, like, won a contest to go, and we were, like, just sitting there, we're, like, oh, my God, like, these guitar parts are just, like, nasty, like, they're so, it was crazy to watch, so, like, Anthony doing his TikTok dances and everything was great, but, like, really, we were, like, looking at John the whole time, and, of course, like, Flea is there, and, of course, Chad is there, um, but, yeah, it was just, like, kind of insane to see, like, a band hold up over so many years and, like, still put on a crazy performance, so it was really cool. yeah. The only reason that um, Butterfly by Crazy Town, I always say this, the only reason Butterfly by Crazy Town uh, holds up at all is because they looped that John Frusciante guitar sample. Mm-hmm. Just over and over yeah. and over. Yeah. Oh my God, that's that's so true. Yeah, no, his stuff just holds up so well and like totally makes that song. <laughs> How was Julia Jacqueline? Julia Jackson was crazy. So like that was a sold out show that was like packed room and everything. And like, I've been begging my roommate for like months to like listen to her and stuff like that. But like with the new album, the new album like really hits for her. I'm like crushing really hits for me. So it was like a good mix of stuff on the set list. Like she played the old stuff. She was losing her voice and actually canceled the show that she was supposed to play last night because like she lost her voice after Brooklyn, which is like sad. But um, Comfort is my favorite song by her because it's like so devastating. But she didn't play that one because it's, like, too straining on her voice. Um, but it was really good. She, like, did Body, which is, like, one of my favorites. She did, like, the new stuff. She had wind chimes. Like, I don't I don't know what you call them. But she had, like, beautiful chimes. Um, and she, like, came out to start the set, like, solo, just her and her guitar. And, like, that was so powerful. And I was, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then she came out with a full band. And I was, like, okay, this is, like she's like a rock star. It was really cool. And I think she's like such an endearing person, like kind of like her stage banter throughout the set was really nice. And she like talked about like her first time in New York and like all that kind of stuff. And, um, people are singing along the whole time. Like everyone knew all the words. Um, and then like pressure to party was the last song that she did before the encore. And like, people were like full on moshing in the front, which I thought was like so cool to see like that, like, like, difference between like the really sad songs and like the really like happy songs so it was so cool wow moshing at a julia jacklin show what what a time to be alive 
I know, right? Yeah, it could not be me, but it was cool. It sounds amazing. And so I also wanted to ask you a little bit about um, what kind of cast of characters in the music world have sort of like stuck with you throughout the years. Yeah, for sure. So like I, my parents are both really into music, like not professionally, just as fans. So like that was a really great like environment to grow up in. And like they were really into like punk and rock and stuff like that. Like I didn't hear the Beatles until I was like probably 13, which is crazy because I feel like everyone else is like, oh yeah, I grew up with that. I'm like, I don't know. Um, but like a lot of 90s stuff. So like that really influenced me in a way that I didn't like see until recently. Cause I was like, oh, I know all these bands. Like I've already heard of all these bands. I just like took a break from listening to them in my like teen years. Um, cause I feel like the internet was such an important part of like developing my music taste. Cause I was like on Twitter seeing what people are listening to. And like, of course was in to one direction a little bit. And then like from one direction, it's like, okay, you go to like the indie rock, like British indie rock, like the 1975 and like Arctic Monkeys and was like super into that for a while. Um, and like still into the 1975 for sure. And, um, yeah, just like being on like eight tracks and like seeing all the random stuff people would post and like the live versions and the rain versions and whatever. And just like Bombay Bicycle Club and Tudor Cinema Club and like stuff like that and listening to a lot of that. And then like getting older, um, and coming to New York was like a huge part of like transforming my music taste kind of um because I like came to New York and I would like meet people and like meet people that were really interested in music like me and like really avid music listeners and stuff and seeing what they were listening to and like just sending each other music and stuff like that um so like my friends I would say are a huge part of like my evolution as a music listener because we just share stuff with each other all the time and I feel like the internet makes that easy as well because like these are friends I've met from the internet, from, like, liking the same band. So it's, like, we went from, like, in the 1975 to, like, in, like, we went to Julia Jacqueline the other night. Or, like, we went to go see Shane last week. Like, stuff like that. So it's, like, such a change overall, for sure. Um, and then, like, over the past year to three years or so, I feel like I've been more in tune with, like, listening to older stuff. So, like, I'm, I've always been super into the BC Boys because my dad was, but like sort of had like a renaissance of sort with that, like really getting into albums and like listening to them for sure. And like the Breeders um, and My Body Valentine, like I have a bikini film poster back there, of course. Um, yeah, just like listening to all sorts of stuff. And like my dad was really into the White Stripes. So like I listened to them a lot growing up and then like kind of rediscovered them again. I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Um, so yeah, just like, Overall, I feel like like the internet and my parents and my friends have like really helped my music case evolve. And then also like going out in New York and like seeing what's here and like seeing the history of New York, like New York music and stuff like that. Like everyone's read Meet Me in the Bathroom. Everyone's read like all these books about like New York music and stuff. Um, so just kind of see where that stuff is happening and like what are the predecessors of like the current stuff that's happening right now and like who inspires like the bands in New York like that's really interesting to get into like I love seeing like what my favorite bands are listening to because it's like okay I can kind of see how you were influenced by this and influenced by that um so yeah just like I feel like I've been through a lot of different phases and I feel like I'm going to continue to go through a lot of different phases because I feel like that's what like real music fans do because you kind of you don't just like stick with one thing throughout your whole life um, but there definitely are artists that like stick with you. Like, I feel like Beastie Boys have stuck with me. I feel like the 1975 have stuck with me. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, those are the two that like really come to mind in a sense. Um, like definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Just a lot. I, I'm like overwhelmed <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a music nerd thing. You just uh, sort of float from uh, space to space and go through all these different like um, stages of discovery, and it 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 never mm-hmm. ends. And it's so it's so fascinating yeah. too. Like I um, basically had like I went to the My Chemical Romance reunion stop. Um, yeah. Oh my god. And. Oh, that was, that just transported me back to like a million, like I read, um, I covered it on my blog and I also, um, read Aaron Christie's coverage of uh, the stop that they went to in Connecticut to see them. And mm-hmm. like, I, I, I read that on Penny and cried again because <laughs> she wrote yeah, about crying. Like... <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you just like live through all those different experiences and stuff like I don't know I feel like I've become such a music journalism nerd in that sense because I love reading like what you and Aaron and like all these other people have to say about the music that you're seeing and like seeing all these different perspectives and like emotions surrounding things as well um so it's like so cool to see it especially like with reunion tours and stuff like that so many people including you and Aaron have been so like emotional about my chemical romance it's so like cool to see um even as like a person that doesn't like have an emotional connection to that band I'm like oh my god my like heart hurts for like all these people like what an amazing experience that must be yeah especially like because of the I mean like the the whole universe that they built and like the whole um like sacredness of um the community of fans that they built around it no one thought they Mm -hmm. were ever gonna come back like they thought this is sealed this is a done deal we came we conquered we did what we had to do and now we're gonna move on Mm -hmm. with our lives which they did for a while and then um when they announced their reunion yeah it's just like it's insane like all those like when you have like a favorite band for so many years and then you get to see them in the flesh for the first time ever. Um, mm-hmm. Like, do you have that moment with any specific group where you were, you were such oh. a fan for so long. And then um, the first time you actually got to see them, it was like a spiritual experience. That's a really great question. I'm trying to think, I feel like a lot of the bands that I've seen, I like haven't had a chance to like really have that moment with, or like a lot of bands that I like, I haven't had a chance to see that moment with like, I've seen certain bands like Pixies and like Bikini Kill and stuff like that. And like, I don't think I was a fan that deeply at that point yet, but like kind of looking back at that experience, I'm like, oh my God, that was like so pivotal for me and like really changed me as a person. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen anyone that it was like, okay, this is like a bucket list moment. Um, That's a great question. Um... Yeah, I like I can't really think about like a moment where I was like, oh my god, finally my band. Because I feel like everything has been so accessible, especially like growing up on the East Coast and stuff like that. Um, and like just being in New York and everything. But yeah, no, I haven't had a band that's been like, we're never coming back and then they come back. So I feel like that's an incomparable kind of experience. Um, but yeah, definitely like there's been shows of the year where I'm over the years where I'm like okay I'm like never gonna be the same person again like I keep talking about Bikini Kill and like they're not even someone I listen to a lot but it's just like so inspirational since as like a person and like a musician and like when I saw them at King's Theater in 2019 I went with my friend Grace and Monica and um we left and we were like, okay, I just left. And I was like, I'm so inspired to do something. Like, I just need to do something. I need to be a part of this somehow. Like I need to like, write. I need to be in music. I need to make music. I need to do something. So like that, looking back at that show, it was like really important for me. Um, but other than that, like, I feel like that's, that's my moment pretty much. Nice. I love what you just said about like, oh, I need to be a part of this somehow. This is, this inspires me Mm -hmm. to do something. What would you say that was one of the big catalysts that was your foray into um, entering the industry? Yeah, I feel like ever since I was like a kid and like, I'd go to festivals with my dad and I would like go to shows with my dad and like go to shows on my own and stuff. And I was just like, I need to be a part of this somehow. Like when I was a teenager, I like from Connecticut. So I would like come down to the city and be like, I'm taking pre-college classes. And then after my class I would like go to a show so it was just kind of an excuse to like get down here and like get a part of be a part of it but I feel like I used to see people on stage and I still like feel this way but I am like in the industry now so it's a little bit different but like I feel like I used to see people on stage and be like oh my god I want to make that happen like I want to be a part of like making that happen and for a while it was like I want to be that like I want to make music and I want to be that person on that stage and I kind of went through a phase where I was like okay I'm gonna learn music and do this but I was like not my thing. I'd rather like be behind the scenes and like do other stuff. Um, so yeah, just like going to like the culmination of everything over the years being like, I need to be a part of that. And like, especially being in New York and like going to school in New York and I would just like go out and do stuff and be like, Oh my God, it's right here. I'm so close. I just like need to get into it. That like being on the cusp of it for sure. Cause I was stuff that I would like talk about in class or like work on for school. And then I would go out and see it. So I'd be like, Oh my God, it's a reality. Like I just need to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was the same with me. Um, 
except I don't think I really gave myself permission to actively go out and pursue it until like pandemic <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah. Cause it like, it, it feels like an impossible thing sometimes. Yeah, it does for sure. Um, and you mentioned Jack White earlier. Is, isn't Jack White like one of the clients at the media company that you work at? Yeah, yeah. We have Jack White at Big Castle and that like kind of feels full circle. And like my first month there, I want to say it was my second week, we got to like, go see the show. And like that was just like surreal being there as being like, oh, I'm like, I work for the company that represents him. Like that's crazy. Um, and yeah, I feel like I've had a lot of those like full circle moments. Like my mom is super into violent femmes and they're another one of our clients. And like, that's crazy. And like, she, every time she like sees something that they post, she's like, did you do that? And she doesn't like, sometimes doesn't understand like what I do, but I'm like, yeah, maybe. Like, like yes, mom, I run the whole company yes. and I do absolutely <laughs> everything. <laughs> Yeah, I would love I would love for that to be true, but it's unfortunately not. But it's, sometimes you just have to be like, yeah, of course, sure. But yeah, yeah, so it's really cool to like, I feel like I can go home to my parents and they like understand what I'm doing. Because when you're working with bands that they don't know or like working with people that they don't really care about, it's like, okay, like you're working in music, you're doing something. But when you say like a name they know, they're like, oh my God, it's real. Like, it's a real thing. yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, I was watching, um, I'm, I was watching an interview with Frank from My Chemical Romance where, um, Mm -hmm. he was talking about how his family in Jersey, like they were very like strict about, um, like things and they were very, very disapproving of the whole music thing for a while. Mm -hmm. And, um, after he had achieved like so much with the band, like it still wasn't enough until they saw his name in their local hometown paper. And that was when they were like, okay, this thing is, this is for real then. And he was, and he was so confused by that. Cause he was like, it could have either been that, or I could have fallen down a well, like, yeah, <laughs> like I, either way anything. I would still have been in that paper. <laughs> like, yeah, like but, I could have yeah. easily gotten to that paper before all that. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like sometimes people just need like their own cultural touchstone to like relate to you in a way. Yeah. Um, but that's like so interesting with Frank because he's accomplished so much like in and out of my chemical romance. So it's like that's crazy. It is for real. And also, um, you you have um a a zine slash newsletter that you've started recently called 777. Do you want to tell me uh, all about it and how it started? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. So like all summer I've just been like hanging out and going to shows and like, um, my like close friend Jackie, like this is a conversation we've been having for like a year being like, there's such cool stuff going on in New York. No one's talking about it. No one's capturing it. No one like outside of New York knows how cool it is to be here and like all the exciting stuff and all the exciting shows and venues and people like that are here like no one knows about it um and there's like professional like music journalism in a sense like Rolling Stone is not covering this like you and Aaron are covering stuff like this and like we just really felt that there wasn't like a New York centric kind of thing so like Jackie's working on a show right now it doesn't have a name but they're working on like documenting shows like with a video camera like with an old video camera and like just taking footage and taking footage of performances interviewing people and stuff like that and like they've been doing that all summer and I was like oh my god I'm so inspired by that it was another moment where I was like I need to be a part of it like I need to do something and so I was like what can I do that's like unique and not like what other people are doing and I love that the whole blog kind of atmosphere is coming back because I feel like that's so important it's like kind of like a hotbed for um finding new bands and like growing new bands and stuff like that and I was like what is like the more modern version of that like people are so lazy like people unless I send it to them directly like I know my friends won't read it so I was like okay how can I get in people's inboxes and I was like I need to start with a sub stack because that's like so popular now so I was like oh let me start sub stack um, my friend Joe started Substack and like his is really cool. He talks about all the stuff that he goes to like every night, even if it's not a show. It's just like I'm at the bar tonight and it's fun and like here's who's here and that's what we talked about. And that's just interesting because it's like sort of like a personal journalistic diary sort of thing. And I was like, okay, I want to do something like that, but I want to talk about like the shows that are happening, the shows that I went to, like 
the songs you should check out, stuff like that. Um, Because I feel like I had all this pent up energy about music and I kind of got it out at work because I was like writing about music at work, but like wasn't really choosing what I got to write about because I'm working for people. Like I'm not just writing about random people. Um, And I also just wanted to like improve my writing skills about music because that's not something I'm super confident in. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start a newsletter. How many times should I do it? And I was like, I can't do it every week. That's like a lot. Like that's a lot of work that I don't have time for. I don't want to do it once a month. And like twice a month just felt weird. So I was like, what if I do it like on the 7th, the 17th and the 27th? That works. And then I was like, okay, let's start a theme here. Like I didn't know the name. So I was like, let's just use 777. I'll do seven of everything. It works. It's fine. Um, So yeah, that's been really fun. And I feel like it's just made me a more conscious music listener and enjoyer and concert attender. Um, because I'm really like listening to what's happening on stage and like really listening to the people around me, um, really paying attention to what people are doing on stage and like what is going on and especially like what's going on in our own community and the shows that are happening in our own community. And I feel like that's so important. Um, cause there's like similar blogs and stuff that are writing about it, but they're not really commenting on it. They're like, here are the shows that are happening. And I wanted to like comment on that and like give a more personal experience of being like, I drank a ginger ale at Ethel Kane. Like, this is what happened. This is what I did personally. And, like, not have it be, like, a professional or super, like, um, literary kind of thing. Like, I just wanted it to be super casual, like, my kind of, like, diary, my kind of thing. And, like, involve my friends, too. Like, my friends have been super awesome. And, like, I've been like, hey, you went to the show. Do you want to write about it? And they're like, oh, my God, of course I'd be honored. And I'm like, it's just my diary. It's just my newsletter. Like, you can write whatever you want anytime. Um, so yeah, that's just been a super fun, like creative outlet for me to like, kind of get back to like creating things and like, um, making something that's my own. That's been really awesome. And just talking to people and like really engaging with my own community and like give back. Cause like, I don't make music, but like all my friends make music. So sometimes it's hard to like relate to that a little bit and like, feel like I'm really a part of what's going on in New York. Um, but I was like, okay, I can do this and like, I can contribute and I can help somehow. So that's been a really awesome experience. I bet. I love that idea too. Um, that it's just like sort of a diary sort of documentation of experiencing shows. I feel like mm-hmm. not a lot of people are doing that. And um, if that's smart of you to make it a, a newsletter too. People are really lazy. Like you have to force them <laughs> to be like, hey. Yes. Even my parents, I'm like, I have to send them, like, it, it, they're subscribed, but I have to send them a link. Like, right. I have to be like, here it is, like, read it, like, my grandma, too. Um, but yeah, no, I also just have such a bad memory, and I, like, forget what I go to, and I forget what I experience, and, like, so I wanted to make sure I wrote all that down, so maybe in 10 years, I can be like, oh, what was I doing when I was 22? Like, what was I doing then? Like, whatever. Um, so it's just really cool to like document it for myself and like for the people around me for sure. Yeah, definitely. Since you've started working in the industry, what are some of the biggest, hmm, how do I phrase this? Were there any sort of preconceived notions you had of what the experience would be like that might've gotten confirmed or dispelled when you started? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So like, I had a lot of different internship experience, like before I started my job at Big Castle. And before going to Big Castle, I was like, Oh, my God, this is such a corporate industry, like, because I was just different places that were big companies, like very corporate and very professional. And I was like, Oh, my God, I have to wear a suit everywhere and like be so kind of like uptight and like professional all the time. And like, put my Instagram on private and not really post who I wanted to post or like talk online who I want to talk or like, just be careful shows of how I act. And like, that's definitely still true. Like you definitely still want to be professional, but also like, we're all people, like we're all music fans at the end of the day. And like, if you're not in this industry as a music fan, I don't really know why you're working in the music industry. Cause like, I don't like, you should be a fan of music if you're here, but like, there's definitely people who aren't. Um, so yeah, just like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Like I did management for a while. Um, and like, managing band and then also working for the management company and then I did a PR internship for like nine months and I was like okay I love this because I get to like write about music and stuff like that and it was still super corporate so I was like this is really strange because you're like being super casual you're talking to people all the time about music but like you're still corporate you're still wearing like a button-up shirt like you're still 
I don't know. It just like didn't feel that right. And I was like, okay, I'm doing PR for like legacy artists and like PR like only applies to legacy artists. Like it doesn't apply to small bands and stuff. Like only these like big names need a publicist. And that's not true at all. Like it's super helpful for to, to have a publicist when you're a small band, which is something I've sort of learned. And like going to Big Castle really helped me understand that because like they have such a wide variety of artists, like from really small Brooklyn bands to Jack White. So like, it's just cool to see that on all different levels. And like, I feel like it's a super close knit kind of casual company. So that's been really enjoyable for me to like make friends with my coworkers and like realize that my boss is my friend as much as he is my boss. So like, that's been really fun too. And just being able to like hang out and like be myself. And like, I feel like that's really important. I didn't realize that I could be myself. I thought I had to be like the social, like I don't know, professional version of myself and kind of put myself in a box that I've sort of realized that that's not true. And like the best way and the way I found the most success is just to like be myself and like talk about the things that I'm passionate about. And like, I don't know, just like really put my perspective out there and like put what I think out there has been really important. Um, Yeah. So like kind of my preconceived notions about things where like, you have to be professional, you have to be this, you have to be that, but like, you really just have to be yourself and like, put your own perspective out there because everyone is such like a music fan but everyone has their own little taste and like their own little cultural touchstones and stuff so like you can listen to them and be like it sounds like this to me but like it sounds like something to someone else so it's just really fun to like break through that and realize that like I can be myself and I can be really good at my job too so yeah. yeah definitely for sure um and that's something really cool that I've noticed because um I um, just after I quit being lazy, um, after the pandemic and actually like went out and actively pursued all these things, I scored Mm -hmm. a a marketing internship with elsewhere, which, um, and uh, by the way, oh my God, she is the best. She is so fantastic. Love Evan, love all those people elsewhere. I was an elsewhere intern too. So Yes. And mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, like what was, what I found to be so great about the work environment is how unpretentious everyone is. Um, that's another thing is I thought everyone was pretentious. That's such a good point. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's so cool. Like uh, they're just like, yeah, let's listen to some Kelly Clarkson and have a Disney pop girlies hour power hour um just on the ox in the office and it's great yeah it's so that's the type of work environment that I'm looking for like going forward yes yeah yes once you have that and you realize that that's possible it's like okay I can never go back to anything else ever again and like working at elsewhere too, like I should have mentioned that that was a I interned elsewhere and like that was a big part of being like, oh my god, I can be myself. Like I can do whatever. Like you can still be really great at your job and be yourself and like listen to Disney music throughout the day. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so much fun. I I I gave like um I have this old like checkerboard skirt that um because we were do- they were doing like a, a clothing swap too. I brought it there on day two and mm-hmm. Nika was like, This has been on my Depop wish list for like (laughs) oh my god she's awesome yeah and so yeah like you were saying like once you realize that that type of thing is possible like there's no going back like you it's that boost that you need for sure exactly exactly it's inspiring for sure very so also I was wondering if you have it like because you sound like um you're also as interested in the lore of music, um, history, and um, subgenre stories um, as I am, which I love because mm-hmm. I love like nerding out about that stuff. Like, do you have any favorite music-based movies, biopics, or autobiographies? Um, that's a great question. So I need to read Anthony Kiedis' book. It's on my bookshelf up there because I've had that forever and I saw a show and I was like, who? Anthony Kiedis. Oh, Scar Tissue. Scar Tissue. That is a ride. That is a wild ride for sure. Yeah. I need to read that one, um, but I haven't read it yet. But like, I'm looking at my bookshelf up here and I read um, Viv Albertine's Close, 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 Music, 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 Boys, 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 long title, but great book. Um, And I have Meet Me in the Bathroom up there, which is like obviously so good. 
Um, what else do I have up here that I really like? Um, I have Our Band Could Be Your Life, um, Please Don't Kill Me. Um, I read a book called 33 Revolutions for one of my classes when I was in college. And that was great because it was like about music and revolution. It was like everything from like, um, like strange fruit to like Green Day. So it was really great because it was just like an all encompassing history of like revolutionary music. Um, So that was really cool. And so, yeah, like I need to read more often. And most of my books are music books like up there. But um, yeah, so like that's mostly all I read anyways. And then for music documentaries, I'll really like watch anything if it's a music documentary. Um, Obviously, like I really liked like the Beastie Boys documentary. I thought that one was really cool because they like sit down and kind of explain everything to you. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's definitely worth watching. Um, And I also really enjoyed the Bikini Kill one because it's all about Kathleen and like her fight with Lyme disease and like coming back to the stage. Um, what else? I'm trying to think. I just watched a pitchfork documentary about Modest Mouse that they have on their oh. YouTube channel because Modest Mouse just like announced that reunion tour about with like the anniversary of the album. And I was like, okay, this seems cool. I don't really know anything about them. So we watched this and it was like all about them coming out of the scene um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I believe. Um, but yeah, that was a cool documentary because it was like all cool archival footage, which I really enjoy watching that. Um, trying to think of what else I've seen recently. I feel like I've just, I will watch like any music documentary to a point of like overloading knowledge and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just like, I like reading like the oral history books because you can see what people actually have to say and get so many different perspectives, like not only from the musicians, but from their managers, the publicists, the venue owner, the this, that. Um, so that's been really cool. But, oh, I also really like Carrie Brownstein's autobiography. That one's awesome. Um, Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl. That one's really good. I read Kim Gordon's book. I liked it. I just wish it was like more about the music, but it was interesting to like get to know her as a person for sure. And I also have her like photo book, which was really cool because it's like all archival photos like from her archive. Um, but yeah, I went to, I was at Rough Trade yesterday and I was like looking at all the music books and like, I need to get some of those like 33 and one third books about like when the journals like dive into the albums because they just seem so cool. Have you read any of those? I'm just like curious. I haven't. I, I see them all the time just stacked mm-hmm. up in these store in record stores. So I... I'm just like, yeah, I recognize the title. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know. I like, I haven't delved into that yet, but there was like one about the raincoats by Liz Kelly that seemed awesome. Um, yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that, um, all of the ones you just listed, like, so are like so fascinating, like all the oral histories, like in the autobiographies, I still need to read Viv Albertine's autobiography. Mm-hmm. I, I read the, I read the compile, the compiled, um, narrative history of the slits. I can't remember what it was oh, called, cool. but, um, yeah, I still need to read Viv's. I, I have read Anthony's. I read it back in high school. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was, um, I'm not going to, without giving you away any spoilers, I don't like the way he frames his addiction. He makes it sound like, okay. romant- he makes it sound romantic. And I'm just like, okay, my guy. And that's, uh, 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 no, this is, this okay. Is, that's weird. This is corny. Like this is <laughs> downright corny. Like when, when, when Dave Navarro has to stage an intervention, like, you know, mm-hmm. that you're like way off the deep end. Like, yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, no, I kind of feel like I just want to read it just to like, see yeah, what, what happened, but it's very, I totally enter- see that. it's very entertaining. So definitely worth mm-hmm. a read for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Also, what was I going to, oh, another one on my list is we got the neutron bomb the the LA punk history I think that might also be an oral history I'm not sure but I just got to interview the Alice bag which was like I saw that congratulations a huge bucket list moment um obviously like the seeing her in the decline changed my life forever Mm -hmm. and um that's another good one I forgot to mention the documentary Mm mm-hmm yeah, really great. Um, oh my god, there I just remembered that they did a second installment of that that was like the metal years or something. Did you yeah. see that one? Uh, yeah, I watched that one. That one was crazy. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Speaking of, I went through the, this is going to be so embarrassing and cringy. I went through the most <laughs> embarrassing metal phase years ago. Did you have a, did you that's ever have a metal awesome. phase? <laughs> I never had a metal phase, but that's awesome that you did. I love that. I was um, at uh, Sam Sumter's little house show book bash a few nights ago for her mm-hmm. band's Doobie K book. And yeah. Jackson for Mary Shelley did like a, did like a set, a small little <laughs> acoustic performance. And he kept making mm-hmm. like, hair metal jokes he was like this is gonna be a bunch of Def Leppard and Motley Crue covers anyway (laughs) this song's called Decimator and I just shouted like without thinking that's my favorite Def Leppard song oh my god (laughs) I just saw Sam's book yesterday I have to read it it's really it's really cool because like it gives you like a whole media library of Brooklyn like hangout spots that are that bands recommend to you I was skimming through it because I thought it hadn't like come out yet. And I don't know Sam personally, but it was in Rough Trade yesterday, which I thought was so cool. Like just on their like featured pile of books. So like, yay for Sam. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I was like skimming through it and I was like, yeah, I need to read this because it seems awesome. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I went through, Um, speaking of interesting documentaries, Metal, A Headbanger's Journey. That was what I think mm. initiated my metal phase. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Because I'll, yeah. yeah. I feel like I'll watch anything and I'm like, okay, I'm obsessed with that. If there's like enough footage and enough context and like enough lore about things, I'm like, okay, I can get really into something. So that totally makes sense. For sure. Yeah. I, and to tie into that too, there's this interesting book called, do you know the book Rock She Wrote? It was edited by Ann Powers and Evelyn Evelyn McDonald. I think that's her name. But it's it's really interesting because it's all contributions from women. Um, so mm-hmm. it's an it's an anthology basically, and mm-hmm. so it's got contributions from Bell Hooks and Patty Smith and oh cool, Lisa Robinson and Kim Gordon. But yeah, it's a great one. Cool. But I read a very interesting essay in that one, um, written by Mary Gateskill. And um, do you know her? Are you familiar with her work? No, I'm not familiar with her. She's a very interesting author in that she, her writing explores like a lot of the darker like um, impulses of female desire, which is very interesting. And Mm -hmm. her, her entire essay is about how she um, is very interested in these uber like like the 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 pinup boys that are just that serve as dart boards for feminists everywhere so <laughs> axel rose basically is what i'm getting at axel rose and yeah. um her entire essay analyzes like his behavior and she's like so look obviously he's a scumbag everybody knows that but i recognize this quality because I've seen it before. There was this, mm-hmm. there was this little, there was this snot balling awful bully in my elementary school years who I was really afraid of. And that is what this guy is to a T. I don't endorse any of the things that he's done or said, but I recognize that this is a symbol of somebody who is hurting and has never mm-hmm. learned to deal with their emotions maturely. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously like, so he is a victim too, in a way of the way he was brought, maybe it was the way he was brought up the way, cause he, and he has been open about this. He was abused as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it's, I found it very interesting just to be, to, to look at that and be like, look, you, you can throw stones at the Axel Roses of the world all you want. <laughs> But if you don't have, but at the end of the day, if you don't have like, even like a little bit of a shred of empathy for them, how are you going to be able to recognize any of these qualities within yourself and bring them into balance? How do you, how are you going to know that you're such a good person if you can't recognize your own capacity for evil or immoral or immorality or stuff like that? But I I need to read that. That's like very interesting. When was that like essay written? Like, is it a modern essay or like? 
it was written in Details magazine, I believe. So okay. a ver- so decades and decades ago, but I am going to That's send- interesting. I'm going to send you the web archive of the full book. Um, Thank you. And you can, you can, it's like an online library. Essentially you can borrow it for a full hour and read through the whole thing. Cool. So I'm going to, yeah, that's interesting that that essay was written decades and decades ago. Cause that sort of seems like it should be a modern essay. Cause there's so many, like, I feel like Axel Rose is like, kind of and that makes sense that it's written decades and decades ago because that's sort of like an old cultural touchstone like of like the bad boy of the world because we have so many of those now and it's like I we don't need to discuss cancel culture but I'm sure like that's it ties into cancel culture very well and like having empathy for all these people um so thank you for sending that to me I'm excited to read it yeah of course and yeah like what um so what like what are some of your Internet archive is temporarily closed. Boo! Oh no! I, yeah, I'm. I've saved the essay as a PDF. Don't worry, I'm going to email it to you. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So, what are some of your favorite? Um. Like, since we just mentioned all of these books and documentaries, what are some of like your favorites? Um, my favorites. So. That's really good. I really liked Viv Albertines. I feel like she did a really good job of like weaving the musical side of her life into her personal life because the book is like about her comeback and like all these certain things. And like, I really like when a musician can get personal within their work and like, obviously they're personal within their work, but like talk about the musical aspects of it. This is what it was like touring. This is what it was like um, going on the road. Like this is what all of that stuff was like, this is what it was like as a woman. And then this was like my personal life. Like this is what my personal life was like and like how that was impacted. Um, I honestly like haven't read in a very long time because I feel like I'm super into reading like online essays now. And just like, I'm always, I'm on every single music blog and every single music publication like every day just for work anyway. So I'm constantly like reading stuff. Um, so I feel like I'm more nowadays not keeping up with like, book authors which sometimes it's book authors and like people that are writing interviews and essays and stuff like that online um but I like I'm following a lot of people on Twitter now and like seeing what authors have to say and like seeing what they're reading and seeing what they're engaging with um but I really like Annie Tzolesky I really like Liz Pelly I really like Jen Pelly um I love reading Lindsay Zalads in the New York Times. She does really great profiles. I like reading Megan Garvey. She just did a Apple Cane feature yesterday, Nylon. And that was like, it was it was such a good piece on Hayden. Um, and I'm trying to think of who else I really follow. I like Nina Corcoran. She writes for Pitchfork. Um, but yeah, I'm like keeping up with all, the, all these people, like instead of authors, but I need to get back into like opening a book and like reading because I feel like that's so important too. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you just mentioned like a whole list of those names because I'm going to have to follow (laughs) all of them and keep up with all of the features that they're doing. I know. Yeah. I'll I'll make you a list because I like, I'm super nerdy about music journalists and stuff because I kind of have to be for work, but also it's like, I'll read stuff and be like, okay, this is like an amazing writer. I need to read every single thing that they come out with. So it's like fun being a little music journalist fan. I'm sure. Yeah. That's definitely like a plus of like, I'm sure of working in a publicity PR. Um, I love how I enunciated all of the consonants, like <laughs> publicity. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like getting to keep up with all these people's like unique writing voices and like um, how they document like all the unique personalities of all these people and stuff like that in their music. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so I um, was, I'll admit, I was very late on the Ethel Kane train, but um, I just made a playlist called Crocodile Tears, and it's basically a house in Nebraska, a house in Nebraska, a house in Nebraska, just all a house mm-hmm. in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like so, all you need. Yeah, but like, yeah, well, I was late to the party, but um, when I got there, I was like, oh, Wow. Like this is, this is something that, this is something that I'm sticking around for. Like, it's rare Mm -hmm. that I'll hear like 
like one of those pitchfork best lists of artists like, and be like, okay, this is, this has an emotional effect on me and it's making me want to feel something, but she is something Mm -hmm. else. Like, wow. She like really hits me. And like seeing her live was crazy because I also find her very interesting because she was like such a music fan before she ever started making music. Like she's only been doing this for two or three years and she was like such a Florence and Florence and the machine stand. She was like a Lana stand. And you can kind of see that in her performance too, because she like has similar mannerisms in a sense, like not in a way that's cringy either, like in a very refined, like her own kind of way. She like will bend down. Like I like definitely had a lot of memory phase. And like, I don't know if you did, but like Lana would like bend down and like talk to her fans and like hold their hands, look in their eyes, kiss them even, and like take gifts from fans. And like um, Hayden was like very good about that on stage, like leaning down and really like talking to people, engaging with people. If someone would hold up a gift, she would always take it, which is so cool just to see someone engaging with their fans like that. And like she was a Florence on the machine stand, and there's like a picture of Florence and her, and she's on the barricade, and Florence is like down with her, and they're like touching foreheads, which is just like crazy. It's like very sweet. And like you can totally see how those experiences have had an effect on her. And I feel like I haven't seen or like heard of a musician like in recently that is like so open about their stand experiences and so open about like how being a fan of music has like impacted their music and their career and like how they operate as an artist. Um, but yeah, it's so rare that I like very emotionally connect with someone that's on these pitchfork lists and like on all of this stuff and like getting all this critical acclaim, but she had a New York Times feature last year who I forget who did it. And I read that or not last year, but it was earlier this year. Oh my God. But um, yeah, this like feature that came out, like I think a day or two before the whole album dropped and I read it and I was like, okay, I need to hear this album because like, I know that this is going to be like very poet and very cool. Um, but yeah, I feel like I was late to that too, because I went to the shows and then I never even listened to the first album and I'd never heard Crush before I went to the show. And I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is something special. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait until she comes back into town. That's going to be, Same. that's going to be a can't miss for sure. <laughs> um, I went to, you know who I went to see recently that was like insane. I went to see Bodega at Brooklyn Made. Ooh, yeah, I missed that one. How was it? It was, oh, it was, it was really incredible. It was like, um, I think um, it's, yeah. So I went to see them. They, they went through all of their like um, classics, like um, on the first album and Mm -hmm. um, the new album. Um, And it was so much fun. Like there was a, so much like a, raucous energy happening I was still healing from like um the ankle injury I got early in July and so like as soon as the moshing started I just got to the edge of the stage and was like holding on for dear life just like (laughs) don't touch me (laughs) oh my god yeah no it's like I feel like that is such a cool Brooklyn band that's been around for so long and like have such a solid discography like their first album so good the new album is so good the new album is like more melodic and poppy in a sense which I have I really enjoy um and yeah they've just like held up over the years like I remember when I saw them for the first time they I think it was opening for shame like in 2018 or something like that and I was like this is a cool band like I've never seen a band like this like this is cool so I'm glad that they're like still holding up to that for sure. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I spoke to um, Nikki after the show and I was just like, mm-hmm. are, are, do you have a background in dance? And she was like, no, I just like to, I just like to move naturally just with like the flow of things. And like, I'm just like, you, you could have fooled me. You like, she like, the, the way that it looks she, very calculated yeah ca- it does look very calculated and like choreographed mm. almost but it's <laughs> like the fact that it's just so natural and just doing her thing um and just like hitting those hi-hats and those ride symbols like mm-hmm. it's so crazy like it's, it's, it's really a, cool to watch it is really cool to watch for sure and yeah so I guess um 
I also wanted to ask about um, sub T as well. Um, when you when did you start managing them initially, and how has that journey been? Sure. So, like, basically, after that bikini kill show that we went to, that I talked about earlier, I thought it was like 2019, and like after that show or something, um, Jaden Grace were like, "I want to start a band," and I was like, "Okay, I want in." And so I was like trying to learn drums. I was trying to learn bass for like maybe a year. And I was like, this isn't working. And then after I was like, I cannot play. I was like, I'll manage you guys. Like I'll do whatever I can to be involved because I still want to be a part of something. Um, So that was like, I think I started managing them like September, 2020, but it was like a long time coming for sure. Um, And it was just kind of like, I was still in school. I was like, I need experience. I want to be a part of something like, I was really interested in PR. So I did their PR too when I was managing them. Um, And then, yeah, just like booking shows, like figuring out how to book shows was so much fun. Like I didn't know anything that went into management. I was like, oh, I did a management internship. I know what I'm doing. And I was like, no, like you have no idea. Um, But yeah, it was just interesting, like being an advocate for a band because I feel like that's the most important part in being a manager. And like Lauren manages them now. I don't know if you know Lauren, but Lauren manages them seller and like does a lot of other management stuff. And she's really great. And I feel like she's such a good advocate for artists and like kind of like a picture perfect manager. So um, it's really cool to see them working with her and stuff. And yeah, so like that experience was really great because we just like, we were learning together. We all had no idea what we're doing. We all had never done any of this before. It was the first time that they were playing music or like being on a stage. So it was like, how do we book a show? how we book a tour, how do we do PR, how do you like get music on streaming services? Um, how do you book travel? Like I just stuff like that. How do you submit for South by? Like we did we did South by and like that was a crazy experience of like learning all that stuff as well. Um and then I started my full-time job and like they are getting really serious about things. They've always been super serious. So I stopped managing them in like April or something like that. But that was like such a pivotal experience for my music career and I feel like such an important like kind of talking point for me I guess because it was like okay I did something on my own that wasn't a job or like no one made me do it's like I took the initiative and I did something and I was like a part of something so that was like really important to talk about and like super um important to like understanding managers in a sense because like now I work with artist managers and like it's like, okay, I know what you're going through and like, and you're going through on a higher level than I was. So I like, can't even imagine. So yeah. So like, that was a really good experience and like working with um, a band that was like local and just getting started was really exciting too. And like working with girls, of course, was like, I can't imagine <laughs> like not working with them. Um, so yeah, it was a great experience. It sounds like it. Yeah. And that's amazing. Like just to throw yourself into an experience like where where you, you might not know everything about like the logistics and stuff, but you don't let that deter you from like seizing the opportunity to just learn um, and gain that like knowledge. Like, so that's really that's really like big of you to do. Cause like, like, cause being a manager, like you're putting yourself like out on the field, like, and like you have to negotiate with all these people and like, um, yeah. What, what, what do you feel like is the most valuable thing you've learned, um, since doing that? Um, I learned that like, I have to put myself out there and I have to talk to people. And that was a really hard thing for me for a very long time of being like, I don't want to be too much. I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. But it's like, you just have to put yourself out there and like, you have to talk to people and you have to be sociable and you have to, you just like have to do this stuff in order for stuff to happen. Like you just have to be a part of it. So that was like the hardest thing because I remember first starting out, I was like, I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to like cold email someone. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And I was like, no, this is like the industry that we're in. Like you cold email someone. It's fine. I get cold emails all the time. Like I cold email people all the time now. Um, but yeah, just like, that was the most important thing that I learned is that you just like, you just have to do it. Like if you're scared of something, you just got to go for it because like, you're going to regret not doing it if you don't. Exactly. That's, that's, you got to take risks. Um, better to regret something you did than something you didn't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, 
Thank you so much for joining me for a chat today. I had a blast talking to you as always. Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy and a big thank you to Kenzie Davis for joining me today. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested, consider donating to my Patreon at patreon.com backslash a girl's two sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy.